Welcome back to the Miserable and Reckless podcast. I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan Irby, Ryan Engel, and Dustin Deberry. How are you guys doing? Kicking like a one-legged ninja. (laughs) (laughs) Way to set the tone early, Morgan. (laughs) He's in his car again, so he's uh, fired up. He's got more errands to run. Out out doing errands. Uh, all right, so we had a pretty big weekend in the world of racing with in both NASCAR and the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, start with the Kentucky Derby because I thought there was uh, – I kind of had a personal connection somewhat uh, to that this weekend. I'm not a big horse racing guy by any means, but hey, uh, just to kind of get it out there, one of my co-workers, like her family owns part of the horse that ended up winning the Kentucky Derby. And uh, so that was kind of cool. I was kicking myself for not placing a bet because uh, she was telling us to do it. And I was just like, there's no way it's going to win, but I might just throw 50 bucks down. Found out that if I had put that 50 bucks down, I would have made 625. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of sucks that I didn't, but. Yeah. You never bet against uh, Bob Baffert. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So authentic won the race. Uh, he, He wasn't the favorite. But I want to say he was one of like the t- the upper tier horses. You guys may be yep. able to correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I think he entered the race as the third favorite. Yeah. But the second had like this weird incident in the stable. I, I believe I'm being correct when I said the yeah, second. Yeah, I-, I think she had said something about that too. That um that was also a Bob Baffert on horse. And for those that don't know, Bob Baffert is like the Bill Belichick of horse racing. He's got six Kentucky Derby. Uh, wins which is outrageous good grief um uh so the whole six rings things kind of is a good uh play there but yeah uh i didn't know that you i knew you had a horse in the race to use the term but i didn't know it was authentic (laughs) and i bet on it and and i actually made some money nice nice (laughs) oh yeah i found out afterwards that it was your co-worker's horse so yeah it's kind of of insider trading there (laughs) It was kind of funny because she was saying that the winners don't actually get any – I mean, if you bet, obviously you do, but the winners don't actually get any prizes. But when the horse uh, – like, they get a stud fee. They get split amongst all the owners, and it's like $50,000 per horse that sells from that horse after it wins the Kentucky Derby. So that, that's just, like, crazy. Like, I don't know how much – how many shares they own in the horse, but they're going to be reaping some rewards from from Authentic here in the future. Pretty sweet. No. Yeah. How do you even go about buying a share in a horse? No idea. It's not like you can go on E-Trade and buy, like, part of a horse. <laughs> like, how does that work? What's I don't that know. Old saying? What's that old saying about, like, I went to see a man about a horse or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, in the, in the world of NASCAR, uh, I'm going to be upfront. I don't really – know a whole lot about nascar so you guys are gonna have to carry me through this one but nascar uh it, funny enough one of my co-workers was at that race yeah <laughs> what was it what, in darlington south carolina correct yep yeah it's the first race of the playoffs um so pretty interesting that it started at darlington i'll i'll, I'll be frank uh the race before usually is richmond and that's a short track and there's a lot of bumps yep. and wrecks and everything but the race this year not because of COVID, just because of the, the way they did the schedule on purpose, was Daytona. So it was kind of a wreck fest, and it was anyone's game who could win or who could get in. So it, it, it what do I want to say? Uh, going from Daytona to Darlington for the first week of the playoffs is was awesome. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. It's really interesting. The tracks are, are really different, and the cars were uh, really fast. Uh, Martin Truex is, is, is a known, uh, a known, uh, champion. He was champion, what, two years ago. And he was out front most of the day. Chase Elliott's the most popular driver, regardless of whether people like that or not. Um, and he was in second and, and leading races for most of the day. And then stupidly, the two of them got into a wreck and all this goodwill went to hell because, uh, Kevin Harvick, the world's most boring driver on earth, uh, just kind of coded around the track three times and won the race. It was like, really? <laughs> so <laughs> you have all this excitement to end with nine laps of boredom. So. <laughs> well, on Monday, you can get a free blooming onion if he wins a race or places in the top 10 or something like that. So, and, uh, Outback. Outback. Yeah. So when you're sad because the race didn't go well, just go get a free blooming onion. But <laughs> Chase Elliott wins or something, you get 
I think it's fried pickles or a free drink or something at Hooters. So yeah, the fried pickle chips a, are good too. It's top tier. <laughs> so there's a trade-off there. <laughs> <laughs> and which is the better restaurant, Outback or Hooters? <laughs> I have a confession. I've never been. What? To Hooters oh, or Outback? To Hooters. To Hooters, really? I've never been. <laughs> My wife makes fun much. of me. My wife fakes fun of me for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's surprising between the one the one right there in Wilmington. Jeez. Never? Yeah. <laughs> never been. Yeah, it's funny because the one that uh, – was it on Market Street, the one in Wilmington? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so that, I, I, a buddy of mine, uh, Dustin knows, his name is Austin. He lived down in Wilmington for a few years post-college, and uh, he – used to he became a regular at that hooters and uh because all you could eat wings on monday and austin's a big boy he can put down more wings than anybody i've ever seen i think his record was something like 60 something wings in one setting and uh austin became such good friends with one of the waitresses that she got invited to his wedding (laughs) (laughs) he literally his wife like let him invite his uh invite his favorite hooters waitress to the wedding (laughs) that is the content that you get on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could, he, you know, he, she took care of him. She, he, every week he came in there and he ate his wings and Austin is a big, big boy these days. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving right along next topic to uh, the world of football. So football is back NFL college. Um, we obviously have a little bit more of a focus on college sports, especially ACC here. And uh, finally, it looks like, College football is going to at least start the season. Whether they finish is uh, another discussion. But we got some games starting tonight. Actually, I think the first game is Miami versus UAB. So yep. let's uh, we have a little outlook on what we expect in the ACC uh, from these teams. When do you guys want to take it away? Go ahead, Dustin. I mean, you know, we can have some general comments where you can kind of toss it around. But you know, I think the the knock on the ACC the past few years has been it's not very good, right? It's Clemson, yeah. and then everybody else is, like, trash, basically. And so, I, I just don't think that's true. Like, I, I don't think it was as bad as people ever said it was, but I also don't think this year it's true at all. Um, that, you know, if you look at the top six or seven teams, they're solid against almost any other conference. I mean, you know, SEC aside, where everyone's just good. Um it's, Plus, they're all it's, ranked in the top 25 this year since no one's playing. <laughs> there are more. There are way more ranked now. But yeah. If you look at the Coastal, I mean, that was a big – you know, there's quite a few teams that were fighting for that, that one spot to finish winning the Coastal, and we just all beat the crap out of each other towards yeah. the end. The race to seven and five. <laughs> hey, to be fair, Morgan, you got a point. Seven – what, seven teams in seven years to yeah. win the – Win the coastal? Yeah, every 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 year it's a new team, regardless of what their record might be at the end of the year. There's a new winner every year. No, I mean you're right about that because, like, when it comes to the, the Atlantic, it's literally been Clemson and Florida State for the last decade plus. I yeah, mean, you had a couple, couple years where somebody may have stumbled into it before Clemson uh, ushered their way into the elite. Uh, echelon of college football and Florida State, you know, kind of has taken a little bit of a tumble here recently. I'm interested to see what Mark, Mike Norvell uh, can do down there. I, th- I think he's a good coach coming from Memphis. Yeah. Uh, he had kind of a, I think he has a fun offense uh, to watch. And with the talent that already exists in Tallahassee, the talent they're inevitably going to bring in, I think he's going to, I mean, for his sake, he better write the ship pretty quickly because uh, their last coach, oh. he, he got like a season and a half before they kicked his ass out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I, with Florida State, I think they'll they'll do pretty good at recruiting. As as much as I hate Florida State, it is Florida State, and that's a that's an easy sell to a lot of kids. You just gotta get the recruiting out there. I mean, for sure. And uh, I mean, look, the, their biggest weakness the last few years has been clearly their offensive line. They have a Swiss cheese offensive yeah. line. We even in a game that we like NC State being a four and eight ball club last year had like nine sacks in one game against Florida State last season. That's going to be something that Norvell's going to have to shore up in, in order to get the the team back on what they've traditionally been. So who's the contender besides Clemson? Briefly. Okay, it's definitely look. It's. It's Clemson and Notre Dame are the top two teams. I mean, Notre Dame, I think, won 11 games last year, returned Ian Book at quarterback. Like, it's clear that they're going to be good again. How good and whether they're a fraud or not, we'll see when they have to play an ACC schedule this year. Uh, but I think it's clearly Clemson's number one head and shoulders, Notre Dame second. The real 
thing is like it's the race for third, right? And I think there are two clear contenders in my view. That's Miami, especially with uh, the the QB transfer King. Uh, what did he come from? Houston, I think. Uh, Houston. Played under Dana yeah. Holgerson last year. He's supposed to be yeah. the the real deal. Um, but the Miami hype train, you know, every single year, there's Miami supposed to be back. But newsflash is not 1985. Like Miami has failed to live up to expectations. So it's it's really between Miami and as much as I hate to say it, UNC. Um, so it's the race for third yeah. at this point. So can I? I heard something interesting about Notre Dame. Let's let's not. Let me let me go to them first, right? So you, you brought up a great point. They're supposedly so good against the ACC. Um, but what I, I went back and looked over the last five years, they're 21 and seven. That's solid. Mm-hmm. However, they have of those six losses, uh, two are to Clemson, Tech, and Florida State. They played two games close with Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. And then they had bad losses to Duke and NC State. Uh, okay. So to be fair, the 2016 team uh, was a was the – that was one of the most talented teams because the next year state took the next uh, step and competed with Clemson for the Atlantic. So that team was very talented, but I got to bring up that game because it was the 50th anniversary of Carter Finley and hurricane Matthew was coming through. I sat out there all game long in the middle of a hurricane watching a total crap show of a football game. It was ended up being something stupid, like 10 to three because nobody could throw the ball two yards downfield. (laughs) You're making my point for me, though. If uh, Notre Dame plays a good ACC team or even yeah. a mediocre ACC team in Pittsburgh, I think that's yeah. okay to say. Yeah, I agree. And that they they they're they're middle of the pack talent. They're just they just yeah. don't do it on the field. So well, this idea that they're going to come in and steamroll everybody every game this year for them is a conference game. Yeah, yeah. They can't pick so, the easy I mean, ones anymore. Right. Let's be let's be honest. I mean, yeah, Notre Dame was ranked last year but Notre Dame hasn't been Notre Dame and what how long probably since what Lou Holtz like, was there like, <laughs> like, a, a, like a, a team that you felt threatened when you played them like oh god yeah. we gotta go play Notre Dame or they're coming to us regardless whether you went on the road or played at home Notre Dame was gonna come in and just beat the snot out of you yeah they, they haven't been a they haven't been a threatening like Miami hasn't been threatening in in over a decade yeah like they're both just like they get ranked because right now of their past brand equity i mean they have a i mean to to make the analogy they're kind of like tiger woods right uh early late 90s early 2000s tiger woods he wore a sunday red everybody was pissing their pants because you knew it was game over tiger woods is still a good golfer now like that i mean that's just true but tiger woods doesn't scare anybody anymore and i think that's where notre dame football currently is at in 2020 yeah yeah i mean every year they get pulled into this conversation like they're going to the playoff and every year they kind of disappoint I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. it's it's frustrating. But, look, it'll be answered this year. Like, yeah, all, the, they all have, the talent they have playing yeah. 10 straight games against an ACC schedule, we'll see, right? If they this, this, if they lose one game and it's the Clemson, then, you know, at the end of the season, I guess is. we should have a, a podcast praising them. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really – go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was well, saying I, I really think the – sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Logan. I was, like, going to make one point about Notre Dame's schedule. I think Clemson's going to be a close loss, but I think the key to their schedule, uh, like we said on a previous episode, is going to be the UNC game. Like, if UNC yeah. is even halfway up to the hype train that they're getting this year, it's that's going to be a one they can't afford to lose. When I was going to – going back to uh, Notre Dame, would you say that this season is a make or break for Brian Kelly? As much time as he's had. Yes. You know, you, you eventually go, we're Notre Dame. You should be recruiting, you know, Nebraska offensive linemen and defensive linemen to play here. You should be having a Joe Montana quarterback showing up to throw to three different receivers and, a, and two tight ends. I mean, at some point you have to go, you're not getting the job done. We're Notre Dame and have a nice day. What, the, is it fair to say the three biggest quarterbacks, regardless of what, how you think about them, that have come out of the ACC are from Duke, Carolina, and Louisville? I mean, they're not the they're not the yeah. Lamar, Lamar, Mitch, and Daniel Jones. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not. The, you mean recent or ever? What do you mean? No, like, no, 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 no. What time in, the last, in the last two, three years. I mean, two, three oh, years. Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. To Morgan's point, he's not recruiting quarterbacks. No, he's yeah. not. He's recruiting what Virginia Tech recruits, which is a five foot nothing running guy. <laughs> I mean, I've, I I can admit it. Every time I see out my other friends' teams play, you got a six foot you know, five pro-style quarterback thrown, and I got 
you know, as much as I love Tyrod Taylor, you got a five foot, six foot one guy that scrambles and then throws. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. We're about some insecurities <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think Speaking that's a, of, that's a fair point. Ahead. Last two, three years, I mean, th- those have been the best three quarterbacks coming out, uh, and it, yeah. it's and they're not from really name schools. I mean, I guess Louisville was maybe the best program of the three historically, but I mean, even them, they're not. To, uh, in the upper echelon of college football. So can we stay there for a second? Because I think sure. Louisville is the uh, is the is the. I don't know why they're considered a dark horse with, but I think they're the third best team in the ACC at this point in time. I think their coach is awesome. I think their quarterback. Yeah, Shatterfield. Yeah. Who's their quarter? Who's their quarterback this season? Was it uh, Cunningham? Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah. He's going to be the player of the year in the ACC. Period. He's he's the real deal. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I'm speaking about that with Sam Howell sitting on my bench. So <laughs> you say Sam Howell's going Sam Howell's gonna be a, tie, a first round draft pick if he plays this year like he did last year. I'll admit I just ripped this stat directly from the ACC network, but Louisville went plus six last year. They won six more games than they had the year before underneath their new head coach. I mean that's yeah uh, as Carolina won five more and everybody makes this huge deal about Carolina. Like why isn't anybody talking about Louisville? They've got an equally good quarterback, and they've got equally good weapons. Uh, I'll tell you why. It's just, in Louisville. It's it's not a it's not exciting to talk about like Mac and UNC. I mean, yeah, it's, it's about narratives. I I'm mean, not, Mac not, Brown not, has I'm history not, at UNC, and then he yeah. was on ESPN. So whereas Satterfield is, uh, you know, he's he's an up and coming coach from App State. Yeah. He doesn't have the the historical significance with Louisville, I guess. So I mean, it's a sexier story to sell Mac as back than it is talking about Louisville on the rise. It's, it's not an a, a, a appetizing – it's not an exciting dinner, you know. It's, they're going to win a lot, but you won't talk about them until the end of the season when they're ranked and fighting for potentially a playoff spot maybe if, if they are that good. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I would agree they're, they're up there. They get overlooked a lot. They do. And, uh, and I think the reason, you know, to your point, they were 2-10 and 10 just a, a year ago. Not mm-hmm. last season, but a year before, two yeah. years ago. So people kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. But they still have a lot of talent. They have a they lot do. of support. We, I mean, we were in Louisville. Like, that, that state – what's that stadium seat? It's, it's a big place. And they have a yeah. lot of alumni support. Like, Louisville's got all the pieces to be a top-tier football. Louisville, Louisville is a big-money program, and people don't realize yeah. that. Because, yeah. like, when it, basketball, football, like, they have the financial backing to be a major player in college athletics. And with someone like Satterfield, who mm-hmm. one of our schools should have hired, yeah, um, like <laughs> you know, this, he's going to take them to the next level. It's going to, yeah, yeah. It, you know, Louisville was never devoid of talent. Like it just was kind of it was a perfect storm of things going wrong. They lost a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and Lamar Jackson to the NFL, and then the team just quit on Bobby Petrino because Bobby Petrino is just, I mean, he's not, he's a decent coach, but he's kind of a POS as a human so the team like they kind of lost he lost the team and then you see when a coach that the kids want to play for and has them motivated like the talent was there and they had that big that big of a jump between uh last year of Petrino and uh first year with Satterfield sounds like Louisville the school has a track record with coaches (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a culture problem Are we keeping a list of all the people we've offended on this podcast? <laughs> no one's going to listen because we talk bad about everyone. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, we said we're miserable, so that hence the complaining and the reckless is we have no regard for people's feelings. Well, a- 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 Angle, what was it that, that one stand-up Tosh did where he, he told one final joke that people boo to, and I've offended everybody here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> e- equal opportunity offensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, on this vein, and, you know, so we can wear it out just a little bit more, um, there are other, you know, like Miami, we'll see what they do. But you've got schools like Pitt who, like, they're so interesting because they'll have weeks where they just don't look like they have it. But then, like, last year they took Penn State to a one-touchdown game. And, like – They got a good defense. Yeah, they're just – I just can't – well, Duke can't beat Pitt. So that's I'm a little grumpy about Pitt as a school <laughs> and team anyway. But like I'm just so interested in like how they can play at such a level some weeks and not other weeks. But that point being like 
when they play these better teams, they can beat almost anybody. Yeah. yeah. So is Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh the most interesting team in the ACC? Because they're the exact opposite of Louisville. Louisville's yep. all offense, no defense. Pittsburgh is all defense, no offense. They can't seem to find a way to lose to Duke, yet they can't seem to find a way to beat Carolina, even though it comes down to the last – I mean, we've escaped, I think, the last three years in a row with, like, a last-second touchdown or something like that. They play tech tough. They play the good teams tough. They play the bad teams terrible. Like, I just – like, you never know. They play, to the level of their competition week in and week out. You never know what you're going to get with them. So – and, I mean, uh, I agree. I definitely agree because Pitt is a team that, you know, that defense looks stout this year. And uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting them to be better than they were last year. Um, but with their track record, I mean, you really – I'm not going to bet on them. <laughs> <laughs> they have an NFL-ready safety now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Double uh, F French. I, I don't have his first name. But, man, you see him flying around on the field. It's, it, I love safeties anyways, but he's, he's awesome. He, he reminds me of the kid from Duke a couple of years ago. Forget his name. Jeremy the game Cash. we went to. Uh, Jeremy yeah. Cash from Ohio yep. State. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Our, one of the best defensive players ever was one of the guys who didn't play at Ohio State and transferred in. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's a talking right. point for later about the transfer market, but still. You know, <laughs> I think one, one big storyline for this year, you know, COVID aside, because we really don't know who's going to be playing week to week, but one big storyline for this year is going to be like the, the, some teams with no crowd, some teams with a heavily reduced crowd. How much of an effect is that going to have on game? Because home field advantage is basically eradicated right now. They have a couple teams that it won't affect. Like, I mean, Duke, nobody goes to the games hardly anyways. Wake Forest, nobody goes to the games. So it's like it's going to be like playing a home game to them anyways. But, like, the other teams, like Clemson, NC State, uh, Florida State, Louisville, like they have raucous crowds, at least the state they do in the first half. But they, they uh, it, it's I think it's going to have an effect on the game because, like, um, not having – the fan support behind you is go, is going to like make it more of an evenly matched game, I think, or at least it's going to probably go towards the better team. The talent will probably win out a little more because the emotion isn't there. As long as the talent can stay on the field and stay healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I could I think that's a big thing. I could see your point. I mean, especially, uh, I wonder if you're going to have all these pregame situations, like is Clemson going to be running down the hill, touching the rock, like with nothing in the stadium. Is, is the, I heard that they weren't, actually. I, okay. I heard something the yeah. other day saying they weren't going to do, like, the normal, like, entrance. You imagine, like, enter Sandman, and they're just jumping around in a tunnel, and then yeah. they run out to nothing, like, to nothing <laughs> in the stands. Like, well, to 1,000 fans. Yeah, you, 1, I mean, you talk, <laughs> yeah, you talk about fans that, you know, making an impact in the game. Lane Stadium and Clemson alone, their, their home field advantage is half the time the crowds. Yeah, Lane Stadium is one of the most incredible, like, experiences I've ever personally been to. Like, I know there are some schools out there that probably are just even more insane. But We've had over over five games on the Richter scale. Yeah, like, it's the whole stadium is is going nuts. It's bouncing up and down. Like, I – and I've heard former players say, you feel it on the field. Like, you feel the field shake um, when, like, the whole – crowd is going nuts and and they and I've heard them say like during the game like when they get people going like you can feel it on the field which is it has to be like how do you react to that you know as a player yeah. it, it it really is like the 12th man like out there and uh it's impressive it's a very impressive environment so you know does that mean what does that mean for your home games that you know it does it impact you and your win total in the year maybe I guess we'll see <laughs> I think it's really going to have a big impact on Carolina and Virginia. We're going to have to like find something else to do with our Saturdays besides tailgating and showing up in the second half. <laughs> I don't, Mac, Mac actually has you showing up in the first half now, Ryan. Yeah. Now, yeah you, last UVA year we might be still selling out. Well, UVA has got a no. no, go ahead. I was going to say, UVA will still probably be, you know, their five fans that show up will probably still be leaving at halftime to go to the uh, wine and spritzer party or whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> their wine cooler party. Yeah, when they do that, the Carolina fans are like, we're not so different, you and I. 
This is going to look real bad in two weeks when you lose to them again in the Commonwealth Cup, Morgan. (laughs) You know what? We had it for 15 years. They can have it for a year or two. Make sure you clean it and polish it when you give it back to us. Well, I mean, is Virginia good? Like, I've had that question. Yeah. I feel like they're they're getting a lot of hype from the fact of how good they were last year. They lost – yeah, they lost their quarterback. Their well, they, they lost their quarterback, and they have no idea what the new one is going to be like. So, yeah, like I, it's he created something like seventy percent of their offense, and then they lost somebody else. It's something like eighty percent of their offense is gone. Yeah. So, well, yeah. If if it wasn't for that guy running around on the field against us, we would have won the game. Yeah, hundred percent. You ran. So, I think you ran for over two hundred yards and half the touchdowns. We couldn't stop them. I mean, it was pretty much getting a taste of our own medicine from when we had Vic and everyone else running all over everybody. <laughs> we could we we could not. Bud Foster, man, was probably one of my favorite defensive coaches to watch. His time was up. Whereas, as a Carolina fan, whereas I I don't mind playing Tech because I feel like we get a Virginia Tech because I feel like we get a chance to kind of measure up with them and square up. I hate playing UVA. Because I feel like they're a bad team, and I think they've beat us by a last-second touchdown in, like, three of the last four meetings. It's, it's annoying. It's like, why are you still in this game? Like, you're, you, yeah. you don't we're, – we're playing Clemson to the wire and yet somehow can't beat UVA. It's just it's yeah. frustrating as hell. UVA used to be those games where, uh, okay, I'm going to go to the pool, and I'll, <laughs> look at the, I'll look at the winning score later. <laughs> Found a way to work the pool into the podcast. I love it. <laughs> the community manager over here. Hey, I'll I'll have to do one from the new pool next time, man. We got fountains that come out of the water here. <laughs> the apex upgrade. It's it's like Bethesda, in North Carolina. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. All right. So, so, so when, go ahead. I was gonna say. So we got contenders. Yeah. Clemson, Notre Dame. We got. We'll see if they're pretenders. I guess with Louisville, Miami, Carolina. We talked Pittsburgh. It leaves a couple other teams, right, including several of the ones that you guys support, Duke, State, Tech, Wake Forest, Syracuse. Those are all kind of like we're assuming middle-of-the-pack teams. Like who – who, anyone there, a surprise team? Anyone there could make a run? Honestly, uh, I'm interested to see – I'm interested to see NC State. Not that I think they're going to be good, but just because last year it was a perfect storm of what could go wrong. Uh, they had a disproportionate amount of injuries compared to any other year for any other team. It felt like what Carolina went through a couple of years ago. The uh, we finally, after going four and eight, like uh, Dave had to sit down with the AD, and they basically have him an ultimatum. From what I understand, he completely overhauled the staff. He got rid of the defensive coordinator uh, Huxtable, Dave Huxtable, who we should have fired six years ago. But he was buddies <laughs> with Dave Doran, so he had his job. So he's gone. Um, we, we brought in Charlie Wiles out of Virginia Tech. We brought in, uh, I think, a DB coach from Virginia Tech. We've overhauled the entire defensive staff. We've got a new offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, former OC at um, Ohio State, Texas, and Nebraska. He's uh, kind of a QB guy. He's, um, he's Sam Ellinger, Texas QB, kind of credits Tim Beck with his development and him being the quarterback that he is because of Tim Beck's tutelage. So we, I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because it's made a big impact on recruiting because last year we had a really bad recruiting class. It, the excitement was gone after the bad season. This year we're, we're, we're right around like 30, which is a historically good class for NC State. And I'm just interested to see like how much an impact the new coaching staff has. And this NC State roster in itself is um, has the most has the largest collection of four-star athletes on the roster they've ever had because they've had a few good years of recruiting minus last year. So all of those guys playing a lot, they're young, but they've got a lot of uh, experience, new coaching staff. It's really going to come down to one thing, and that's QB play. Since 2000, NC State's had an elite QB play for all but like five years of that 20-year span. And so we kind of saw last year what happens when you don't have a pro quarterback under center, and it just all went to hell. So Dave uh, Devin Leary's, uh, advancement in his game is going to be the key to the season for NC State. If he, if we have an average QB play this year, NC State can win six to seven games. Because look at the schedule; it's not really tough. We avoid Louisville, we avoid Clemson, we avoid Notre Dame. The only team on our schedule from the preseason rankings of the ACC that we face that's in the top four or five is actually 
Miami and Carolina. The rest are in the bottom six. So the schedule is favorable. Um, things look to be looking a little bit better. Now it's just time to put up or shut up and do, leave it out on the field. So I, I think that they're they're gonna we're gonna see an improvement from them. You hope. Who's the uh, yeah, who's I the DB <laughs> coach you guys got from Tech? I can't remember his name. I want to say DeForest. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's his last name. Well, Morgan, I mean, there ought to be calls for some hope in Blacksburg. Y'all, I mean, you can kind of get into it, but y'all were one of the youngest teams in college football last year, and you basically got everybody back. So, I mean. We have have quite a few returners on the the defense. We got a new defensive coordinator, uh, Justin Hamilton, who was actually one of the DBs there back in the day, playing for Bud Foster and – I'm hoping his his youth and his spark is gonna ignite this team that's got quite a few good players on there to show up and take care of business, unlike they did last year. I mean, they they are usually known for their defensive line, and they just allowed so many rushing yards from people who shouldn't even have rushed ten yards in one game. It it was absurd, and you just look at it and you go, why are they not playing for Bud? Because it's his final year. Why are you not stepping up? Something was off. So hopefully a new face calling the plays is, is what they need. Yeah. Well, you finished strong. You you would hope you carry yeah. that into this year, like that excitement plus the new faces. And, you know. After that after that new game, they, they had a come-to-heart meeting. and, and <laughs> That was the spark. At, they, well, they had two shutout games back-to-back. I mean – no, I don't think anyone else has done that. I'd have to look it up, but it's been it's been a little while since another team's done that in back-to-back games. Granted, it was I want to say it was against Pitt and Georgia Tech, but murderers row there. <laughs> Depends on the season, guys. <laughs> you got nine starters on defense. That was the number That's... that I had coming back. And somebody thinks you guys in down in Blacksburg are going to be good because I believe I believe I'm saying this correctly. ACC Network said that Vegas had uh, Tech ranked third in the ACC by the end of the year. So I'm not sure yeah. uh, if Marty Smith was voting for him over and over and over again, but it it really depends. I mean, it depends on if we find a running game or not. If the quarterback steps, if if Hooker plays like he did last year and they keep him in the entire season, and if like I said, if Hamilton can turn his defense around and, and get out of him what he can, then I think we'll, you know, we'll be there. The question I have for Virginia Tech is, is if they underperform this year, um, when they should have a pretty good team, is Fuentes on the hot seat? And, you know, I think he is. I, I, I agree because you don't want him to – if he is going to go downhill, you don't want him to continue to take the program further. You know, I, I, let's see what he does this season. He, granted, he the last two years, I think they've been hit with the injury bug pretty hard. Their uh, quarterback play has not been that great. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had, I I had a brain fart. I had a brain fart there. Um, <laughs> I, and our, our running game, we've had, we have not had a decent like week to week running back like the last one we had, who got. I want to say he's out of Danville, got drafted by the Giants. He was the last one big true like running back that you know ran for over 100 yards almost every other game. Well, you guys are a defense and special teams team. I mean, we yeah, all know you're that. right. You, you're right, and we we surprise you every now and then of quarterback play. Hmm. We have you know wide receivers that were all Americans in the ACC and can barely make the prep team in the NFL. I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. I seem to remember you putting up 55 on Carolina a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, well, that, that was a lot. Of that was our defense with Tim Settle right there in the middle. Just every other play, when you guys had the ball, Tim Settle came across that line and just sacked QB. Yeah, I was, uh, I was there with you, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. They're, they're known for defense and special teams, but hopefully they got the, the – uh, they had a Braxton Burmeister, I think is the kid's name. He was at Oregon. He transferred a year ago, but had to sit out for red shirt. And he's, because, I think, a pro-style quarterback. Speaking of defense, do you guys have any uh, suggestions for defensive player of the year? You don't have to, but I had one. Not, That's why I was 
I think the front right. runner in my mind is probably the kid from Pitt. French? Yeah. I'd, I'd say that. And then I'd say without watching the kid play yet, Tony Grimes, who, went, who signed up at UNC out of uh, 757 area code, he's supposed to be the number one DB in the nation. If he lives up to the hype. I wasn't I, – for some reason, there was definitely a couple defensive backs who were sitting the season out, and I don't remember if he was one of them or not. No, nah, he's not. He's playing. Yeah, because he reclassified so he could play this yep. season. He wants to play this year. He, he wants to get his name up there fast and get drafted quick. He's not he, staying. He's not staying his entire time. He's he's gonna get his interceptions and get drafted. So speaking of Carolina defense, I mean Chase Surratt. Can we talk about that for a split second? The quarterback yeah. who used to be mm-hmm. the quarterback for us and led the team last year in tackles. Uh, apparently he's he's in the running. Uh, you know all the preseason stuff is kind of yeah. yes, but he's in the running for defensive player of the year. That to me is yeah. forget forget the fact that I'm a fan. That to me is insane to be able no, to go incredible. from quarterback to linebacker. Yeah. And actually have a shot. You're, as you as you guys have pointed out, there's so many good defenses. You've got NFL players. Clemson is is loaded. Pitts every yeah. you know every year is coming out with a great defense. We know Tech is going to show up with their defense and special teams. And yeah. then you can you can kind of scatter throughout. My you've got Miami, Florida State, and others that we haven't talked about from a defensive perspective in this in this conference. And and some little. <laughs> scrawny linebacker from Carolina is in the conversation <laughs> for player of the year. It's it's awesome. I love his heart, let, let alone anything oh. else. Yeah. Interesting, Go ahead. interesting note is that he's playing and his brother's actually sitting out. Yeah. I was about to yeah. say, like, Sage Surratt opted out this year, um, which is a huge blow to, to Wake Forest in their receiving core. Yeah. Hey, Logan, did uh, did you guys end up grabbing pool? Yeah, Jordan Poole committed to NC State. Okay. Yeah. I, could, I hadn't kept up with that, and I, I – figured you would you would know yeah he committed uh, about a month ago at this point yeah so that's a that's Actually, a big I, get never mind you told me yeah that was a big pickup for you guys yeah yeah like nc state's linebacker core is insane right now like over the last yeah. 10 years we've had some great defensive linemen come through and it's still solid right now but the linebacking core right now for nc state and in the future is is, is stacked and it kind of works we've switched away from four down linemen to three down linemen to kind of adjust to the the way college football is you know the, the spread yeah. offense so, the the guy to watch is uh, Peyton Wilson. He's a redshirt sophomore. Peyton Wilson was a four-star flip we got from uh, – he initially committed to Carolina, then he committed to NC State. And last year, he led the team in tackles, even though he only started one game. That kid's the real deal, and he's going to be playing on Sundays if he can avoid injuries because oh, yeah. he's had issues with his knee. And he had uh, redshirt as a, what would have been his freshman year because of um, ACL tear. So, if he stays healthy, the kid's the real deal. Yeah. I think another team to watch out for is what what happens with Duke because you got the kid who transferred from uh, Clemson, Chase Bryce, mm-hmm. named, named QB one over the weekend. Yeah, got named QB one over the weekend, and I mean I think that's huge. If you guys have at least average receivers in a tight end, I mean you should have a good offense this season. That's the problem with Duke last year. They couldn't catch the ball. I'm sure Dustin can speak of that more than I can, but they, they right. the receiving court sucked in Durham last year. Yeah, it's – so I saw this week um, what it the last year the offense turned the ball over 28 more times than any other ACC team. And it was more – it was 28 more times than than all but two other college football programs, period. Um, I'm sure there's turnovers they had. It's, I'm sure we can insane. think of one or two games where they had a good game. <laughs> we can, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't consistent. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm I'm a homer, so I'm hopeful oh. every. But uh, if Chase Bryce lives up to his his billing his hype, his hype, like yeah, they're gonna have a good year. But it, it's a combo of. Is Cutcliffe as offensive coordinator and Bryce as, you know, a former four-star QB who spent three years learning at Clemson going to come out swinging? And, you know, we really don't know until they until they play. But yeah, Duke's – what he's got going for him, Duke's line this year is actually one of the better ones they've had in a few years. They actually have – you know, they can sustain a few injuries and still have a lot of experience. They uh, got a transfer out of Stanford who was a former four-star. He's going to be starting for him on the line. Like, it, 
he won't he probably won't get quite as pummeled as like Daniel Jones used to get beat up week to week. Um the receiving core there's there's some good young receivers and they have a Noah Gray who's a good senior tight end. But last year, you know, I, I saw another stat where it was something like 60% of the passes were thrown like five yards or less or behind the line of scrimmage, you know? So like if Cutcliffe, if the line holds up and Cutcliffe can open up that and knowing that Bryce is going to have better accuracy and, and be a better QB than Quentin Harris was. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be a, a pretty good football team and probably can win but, some games that people don't expect them to. Yeah. And one thing you, you didn't mention that I think is going to be a big change from last year is uh, David Cutcliffe is, is calling the plays this year. Um, yeah. I, last year, what was it? Uh, was it Zach Roper was the OC? Zach Roper was the OC. Yeah, and he was abysmal. Like, it, the, the, some of it may have been hamstrung by a terrible quarterback in Quentin Harris, but he was, he was just his play calling, like, I could do better sitting playing college football uh, video games and call a better game than he called. So, like, oh, yeah. I think that Cuffcliffe's going to make a big difference for them along with having what's supposed to be a, uh, a good quarterback this year with the Clemson transfer. Yeah, I mean, that's the probably the biggest improve. The, the thing to get most excited about is an offensive-minded coach taking back over the offense. I mean, and he has admitted it's a lot more work than, like, he remembered <laughs> recently. <laughs> he said it's been a lot to be, like, the, the head coach who has to deal with all the problems plus playing the offense. But he, he sounded, like, excited about doing it again. And so, you know, I'm – I'm looking forward to it. I think that they could be a pretty good team this year. And the defense, I'm not worried about. They returned seven. Um, the defensive ends are good. The secondary is going to be really good. Um, you know, Mark Gilbert, who was an All-American, is going to be back. They they have a kid from Michigan uh, who transferred in who was a four-star recruit who's not even starting. Um, he would have been like the crown jewel in a class for, at Duke you know, in any given year, and he's not even getting the start and nod to begin the year. Um, if anything kills the team this year, it's going to be the linebacker core is thin. There's, like, almost no experience, and they're starting over with kicker and punter, and, like, who knows what special teams is going to look like. So, you know, it'll uh, – they'll either – make me happy week to week or I'll just get more, more and more miserable and start talking about basketball season real early. <laughs> Typical Duke fan. <laughs> I guess the uh, only other team for us to cover uh, based on allegiances here is the one from Chapel Hill. And with, uh, with UNC, I, I'm interested to see if they live up to the hype this year. I think they very well can. Um, the question for me is going to be the defense because the offense is stacked. Um, they ret returned all their receivers. They have a great receiving core, arguably one of the best in the ACC this year. If Sam Howell can avoid the sophomore slump, I really think uh, UNC is going to have one of the best offenses in the ACC, and we'll see how far that carries them. But the question mark for me is going to be their defense. Is the defense going to be able to stop the good teams? And if they can, Carolina has a shot, uh, just as good a shot as anybody, to be able to um, you know, be in the top tier of the conference. I really wish – I know I said this on the group text, but I really wish we played Clemson this year. Um, that to me was always our, our litmus test to see how well we do. So I've got, I guess, my eyes circled on that Notre Dame game. The unfortunate thing about it is that it's, I believe, the second to last game of the year, if not the last game. So it may not matter by the time we get there. But uh, if it does matter, and if we don't drop games, we've got Tech on the schedule. We've got others on the schedule that we've that we've struggled with or played closely in the past. Um, you're right. We're stacked on offense. Period. But uh, the defense is 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 young and hopefully can gel together. And I ha I I'll be honest. I haven't paid attention to how these guys are practicing. Um, and what I mean by that is is you know it, 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 if they're not used to hitting each other, it, it, it may be a little bit difficult for them to come out and. You know, you may see a lot of arm tackles and kind of stuff like that for the first couple of weeks. It could lose games or give up big passes or et cetera. So, um, obviously, that's due to the pandemic. I'm not going to blame it. But uh, at the same time, I mean, this is probably the most excited I've been for a Carolina team in 15 years. Yeah, and it's with good reason. I would, I, mean, say, I would say they got – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I mean, that was it. <laughs> I'd say if you we, should be happy with the team you're going to put on the field this year. They got – they have all, all the hype. If, right? So it's an if. 
So it's yeah. hypothetical. If we can get to the championship game, I think we can beat Clemson. I really do. The only thing I say about that uh, is that Clemson's not going to be sleeping on Carolina like they were last year. I mean, it's going to be a game they're going to be prepared for, especially if it's for the conference crown. Like, Carolina's good. Carolina has a lot of talent. But Clemson is still by far and away head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to talent and just, like, just being a good team. So, they're going to – it's not going to be a a 21-20 ball game (laughs) this time around. They're going to have to play, like – out of their mind, to be, in my mind, to beat Clemson. And I, I could be wrong, but that, that's just my take on that. Logan knows about uh, being slept on and then, like, them remembering next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. It, it ain't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you worry. Davo's going to remind everyone about yeah. if y'all meet up from, again. From little, like, little old Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's why I was trying to be real quiet about Carolina. I was just going to start going with the little old Carolina route, you know? Just, <laughs> you want to act like the winners, be a winner. <laughs> Look, there's, no bigger, there's no bigger underdog than Clemson. You can't out-underdog uh, Davos Weenie. Yeah. I had the little old team in baby blue. I've got, I've got metaphors for days, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think you and she can play the underdog, underdog card this season. Man, brand new coach, young quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move to the next segment. Still regarding ACC football, it's ACC Week One Pick'em. So what we plan on doing moving forward is going through each week and uh, looking at the ACC games on the schedule and making our prediction. We're going to keep track of what our records are. Uh, see, at the end of the year, who was the most accurate in this uh, unpredictable season. So uh, this week, I think is probably the easiest easiest one to pick because it's a lot of gimme games for a lot of, a couple of, a few non conference games, few conference games. But you know, tonight I guess we'll start with the Thursday game. Tonight we have uh, UAB versus Miami, and um, you know, I guess start with you, Morgan. What's what's your take? Who who wins Miami UAB? Uh, Miami, they're going to win by three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. <laughs> and, and minimum, minimum three touchdowns. <laughs> All right, Dustin. I mean, you got to go Miami um, regardless. But, I mean, I'm interested to watch this game because Miami's been missing, you know, a good quarterback. Um, Miami, Florida State, like, always have talent. It doesn't matter how bad they are. So, if you put some good pieces and, and, you know, he's going to be good. Like, he he had, what, 50 touchdown passes when he was in Houston. So, there's no doubt. Like it's just an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they play tonight. But I, I feel like he there. He's really going to take them to a next step, and they they certainly will win this game tonight. Yeah, Angle. Miami. But if I <laughs> see that turnover chain, I swear. Oh know. God. I mean, you guys have your own version with your championship belt now. <laughs> Look in little had- old in little old Carolina. We're 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 allowed to do these things because we're an underdog and we get really excited about that. But <laughs> who who ha- who had the Louis Vuitton book bag? It was Florida State, won't it? They had the was it the backpack? I think they were the ones with the backpack. Hey Morgan, you started it, it with the like with the with the lunch pail thing, so don't even don't even go there. <laughs> well, okay, we started that like twenty thirty years ago, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, I, I agree. Like, I it's. <laughs> I agree. It's Miami. Miami by multiple scores. I think it'd be two to three score a game. Uh, they'll they'll easily win that one. So uh, the next one up, um, it's honestly I think it's the most interesting game this week is uh, Syracuse versus UNC. So this game, you know, I I really do think I think UNC. Last time I checked, it, they opened it like a fourteen point favorite. I think it got up to about twenty one. It's going to tighten as it gets closer to game day. But I think Carolina wins by two scores. Um, um, but I want really bad to see Syracuse just drop a, a cold bunch of cold water all over this Carolina hype. But I just don't see it happening. Syracuse has been inept uh, last year, and I think that continues this year. I think UNC wins big. Angle? Yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Angle. All right. I was uh, going to say um, – Didn't Syracuse beat – Clemson? Wasn't that last year? No. No. Didn't they play him close? 
That was 2018. Yeah, two years ago. That was actually when Chase Bryce saved Clemson's championship season by coming in, replacing Trevor Lawrence, right? Winning the football game, and then they went to the college football playoff. Just so everyone doesn't forget the quarterback that Duke has this year. (laughs) I can see why you. I can see why you would remember that now. The pandemic has uh, made every day feel like Wednesday. Um, (laughs) That said. My point was that uh, Syracuse absolutely has the ability to come in and, 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 and beat one of these good teams. That said, I don't really know anything about them, and I know that Carolina's loaded. And I'm going to go with everybody's gut that's betting on this and trusting this and say that we're going to win, period. Also, why are we playing at noon? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, not in Rutgers or anything. <laughs> All right, Morgan, uh, your take, Syracuse, UNC. UNC, but by a touchdown, Syracuse is always that team that will surprise you. And just that quarterback and a receiver will just have an amazing game all day long, no matter what you do. They they get the ball back, and within two two passes, they have a touchdown. I mean, Tommy DeVito is good. They, so. come out of, they come out of nowhere every time and just win when you don't expect them to. Yeah. So you got uh, Carolina by a touchdown. Got it closer than what, the, uh, what Vegas thinks. Dustin? I mean, I I really hope I'm wrong, but Carolina probably will win this game. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> I think it's that simple. Carolina's gonna gonna win, but I I hope to get a a loss on that when we talk about it next week. So to recap, we all want Carolina to lose except for one person. <laughs> and I'm yes. gonna go through and I'm gonna edit this so that I hear Carolina's gonna win this game from each one of you, and then I'm just gonna send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> at all hours of the our, uh, <laughs> night and day. <laughs> what are you, you're selling Mitch Hedberg now. I can go back and edit things and go back and put your laughter at the end of unfunny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have Duke Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, you know, for one year only is a uh, full-time member of the conference. Has to play a full conference schedule, as we talked about earlier. Um, Dustin, resident Duke fan, uh, what's your take on Duke Notre Dame? Notre Dame will win. I mean, it, it, look, I'd love to be wrong about this one too, um, <laughs> but they're a very talented football team. Ian Book's, you know, senior quarterback coming back, leading that group. They've returned a lot. Um, expectations are high. They're not going to be coming into this game sleeping, thinking they're just going to walk all over Duke. They're going to try to make a point um, to come out and play hard and, and show that they deserve the hype that they're getting. And, uh, I just, you know, 2016, Duke went into South Bend and beat them, but I don't anticipate that happening again. Yeah. Angle. Notre Dame. They're better. Just for the sake <laughs> of chat. For the sake of brevity. I'm not even talking crap. Just, just, <laughs> to, they're better. All right. Morgan, Duke, Notre Dame. I'm going to say Notre Dame as well. But I will say if, if Duke's office, offensive line holds up, then, you know, I could see Duke pulling somehow out, you know, a three-point game, like winning by, by three points. Yeah. You know, oh. Notre Dame, like, like I talked about earlier, Notre Dame is not, you know, Notre Dame that we all used to be afraid of. They still have the scary players that can, you know, win, but um, they are beatable. And if you plan well against them, you, you can beat Brian Kelly. Yeah. Uh, with this game, I, I really do think – I think Notre Dame ultimately is going to win. But I, I actually think it's going to be closer than what people think. The reason I say that is let's lay it out there, and this is the case for every team across the board. Like, nobody really had a full fall camp. Uh, it's Everybody's kind of coming in with just a, a little bit of practice time. And if Chase Bryce is what he's sold to be, I think it's going to be closer than expected. But ultimately, I think Notre Dame probably pulls it out by about 10. And um, so, I mean, I, Notre Dame's just better. I mean, Duke, Duke <laughs> I don't think they're going to win, but I think they'll play closer than expected. So, all right, the next one's Georgia Tech versus Florida State. We got traditional power who's kind of fell from grace recently versus what is con- the consensus <laughs> bottom dweller of the ACC right now. And uh, for a good reason, because Jeff Collins has a big rebuilding job uh, taking a triple option, horrible in the eyes offense and trying to make, <laughs> modernize it and make it an uh, actual college football team now. So 
with that, you know, I think it's Florida State for me. Too much talent. Uh, Georgia Tech's in the midst of a big rebuild. So, Florida State. Morgan. Uh, Georgia Tech, Florida State. I'm going to say it's going to be a boring game, and it's going to probably be 10-10 most of the game with a field goal winning it for Florida State. Oh, wow. Okay. They're both they're both boring to me. This year. <laughs> yeah. Like you like you said, the trip the trip the triple option's gone that tech can never be. I mean, all that's gone. So like you said, who, what is Georgia Tech gonna be this season? Yeah. And we don't know what Florida State has with the new head coach. You know, who who who's to say you know, Georgia Tech could could win, but yeah. I think it'll be Florida State by a field goal. If there was ever a time for Georgia Tech to catch Florida State, it's now first First game yep. under a new head coach, you know, lack of practice time for everybody. It tends to be a little bit of sloppy games tend to be an equalizer for the lesser talent. So, I mean, it's I, it's possible. But I said come out, that first play, come out and just attack their DB right off the bat. Yeah. So, Dustin, Georgia Tech, Florida State. Florida State, but for all the reasons said, it might be closer than people anticipate. Yeah. So, uh, Angle. Florida State, I'm anti-Georgia Tech because they beat us all the time when I went to the games, and I hate the option because I have PTSD from watching Navy. So, <laughs> for, right. for completely objective yeah. reasons, I'm picking Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and so I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this team, but it's Pittsburgh versus Austin. I think it's just P. Austin P. I, I don't, I don't think it's P. P. I think it's P. Okay, Austin P versus Pitt. Pitt, I mean, they're, yeah. you got a group of five school who I can't pronounce their name versus an ACC school. It's it's Pitt. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin. Right. Well, Pitt. They're, we all talked about – we talked about them earlier. It's, it'll be yeah. Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Angle. Pitt, because of their defense. Uh, Austin P. I'm going to Google it after this. Are they in Texas or Tennessee? I feel like I'm right by saying they're in Tennessee. But. Not really sure. <laughs> I watched him play the other night, so I should know. But I think it was – I think you might be right on Tennessee. No. I have no idea. But Morgan. <laughs> Morgan. Uh, Pitt. I, I think Pitt's defense is going to score more touchdowns than their offense too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like Morgan's extra predictions. I know. Special <laughs> teams. You're going you're gonna to have two putt, You're going to have two kickoff returns and probably two pick sixes. We're going to have a special category for you for your extra prediction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Louisville versus Western Kentucky. We got an in-state game. Um, Western Kentucky, I believe, is the school, the school that has the very uh, uh, the gimmicky red field. Um, pretty sure this, this is a home game for Louisville. I'm not totally sure on that, but I think it is. But so – is Louisville. I mean, Western Kentucky doesn't have a snowball's chance and able to win that game. So, <laughs> Whoa, whoa. All right. I'll take Louisville, but I don't think it's that much of a blowout. I mean, they have what, by your own admission, you think the ACC player of the year in their QB. I mean, I think it's, I think it's Louisville. Uh, Western Kentucky's in, Mac, in, in the Maction or the, uh, the MAC conference, right? Yeah. They don't have bad teams. I mean, they're not. They don't have bad teams. They don't have good teams either. Yeah. <laughs> if, I mean, we had a bowl, if we had a bowl game against Western Kentucky, I would be like, all right, we're going to win this. But I don't think it's yeah. going to be a blowout. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think it's actually, according to betting odds, the closest game of the week. However, for all the reasons stated earlier in the podcast, I think it's not going to be that close and Louisville's going to win. <laughs> I agree. Uh, more, uh, Morgan, what's your take and your uh, your advanced take on this? <laughs> I think yeah, Louisville. They're gonna they're gonna beat beat up uh, Western Kentucky, and uh, I don't have any extra takes on this one. I'll, I'll throw a you know, probably three. Uh, I'll say I'll, shit, I'll say four touchdowns. You, you uh, got them winning by four or throwing four? Over. I oh, got them winning by four. Okay, four touchdowns. That's a. I think I think they're gonna beat beat the snot out of Western Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. As much as people, they could come there and play that underdog card, like we talk about. Like, oh, they're gonna surprise us, and their defensive line is just gonna shut down the quarterback all 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 game. You know. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case this time. I think really everyone's just playing week to week to see what if they can just make it through the season. 
and play for next year. And Western Kentucky is probably going to be like, well, we're not going to lay down, but we're not going to go all out probably. Yeah. And Louisville is just going to, you know, run all over them. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the what's considered the marquee game of the week in ACC football. Didn't you guys say I think it was game day is going to be there, uh, Clemson versus Wake Forest. <laughs> I guess there wasn't much on the schedule for game day. It was more appealing. I, this is the Clemson show. Wake Forest, man, like they – I think in their last two meetings with Clemson, they've scored like six to ten points total through over two meetings. They're going to run the dog on Wake Forest. It's Clemson. I don't think it's even going to be remotely close. I think it's over about third quarter. Vegas said that Clemson has a 48% chance to go undefeated. It's Clemson winning this game. Yeah. Yeah, little old Clemson. Oregon. What's that? Uh, it was your prediction, oh, Clemson, Wake Forest. Oh. Yeah. I don't know, man. Wake Forest has got a tough team there. They, I mean, they could, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's – I think, you know – I wouldn't even say halftime. I mean, I'd, I'd say mid – by the end of the first quarter, people aren't going to watch the game anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, let's just be honest here. It's Wake Forest's quarterback transfer. You know, they that was pretty much all they had. And you're going to have a high school team coming out there to play grown men in Clemson, and they're going to – dry them up and hang up on, on a on out, out to dry and it, it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be embarrassing to watch and it's gonna be over at the end of the first quarter i like i like morgan's extreme takes in one way or the other <laughs> thanks for for good listening whether i'm right or not it you know come on <laughs> bowl is you look on a football field it's gonna look like boulders up against a twig <laughs> Hey, I don't. I don't think you're wrong people. on this one, though. I, I'm with you. I think it's snap over people in half, half and, and like, okay, we don't even want to play at the second half. Like, you need to forfeit. We're we're not forfeiting. You need to forfeit. We're done. <laughs> oh, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll keep everyone updated on our record week to week and how things went with the uh, ACC week one pick 'em. We got four teams that are inactive: that <laughs> BC, NC State, UVA, and Virginia Tech be back in action next week, but. uh all right, moving on from sports. Uh, coming back to our bless your heart topic. Uh, so, Ink, we'll take it away. Yeah, so I'm not sure if we'll do it each week, but we – in the environment that we're in right now, it's, it, it, it's, it's not always great, and so we're trying to focus on something that isn't shallow like sports and isn't divisive. And we read something today and passed it around – or not today, but this week and passed it around and everybody kind of agreed that it was a good topic that we could talk about briefly. And so, um, uh, we've all, well, I don't want to say we've all, cause Logan, you weren't a part of that, but we, we, we went to Nashville for Morgan's uh, bachelor party and I think the guys really enjoyed it. And I spent a lot of time working down there, um, over the past two years, I spent 19 months actually off and on working and basically living in Nashville. Um, and so I took notice when I saw that the uh, Nashville Kroger took a chance. Um, they basically had a homeless woman. She was living in her car in the parking lot for just about a year is, is, is what I read. Yeah. And they, uh, she was coming and going and, 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 and they saw her and let her know that there was a job fair. And uh, the hiring manager, actually her name is uh, uh, Jackie Vandal. Um, she went out of her way to help this homeless woman, uh, Lashenda Williams, fill out her paperwork online. And it was a, a, a period of a few hours. She didn't have access to a laptop. She provided her access to the laptop the whole nine, went through this whole process with her um, to help her fill this out, and then literally hired her on the spot and said, like, we're going to help you. We're going to give you a second chance at life. Like, I think that you're, you're a genuine person and you're trying hard. And so she's been working there for eight months, or excuse me, for 10 months. So two months ago, she'd earned enough money to move into her own one-bedroom apartment. And it took the city of Nashville, like, that they started, like, a, like a, basically a, a charity, right? So they donated furniture, household items, clothes, shoes to help her out with her apartment. And uh, the quote that I took away from it that I thought was really awesome is, she's the, Lashenda Williams is her name. She said, for the very first time in my life, uh, now I know what true love is. 
uh, now I know what friendship is. And for her to just be there greeting people as they come in, the probably she doesn't know, but probably people that may have donated or helped her out and be in her community and helping people uh, grocery shop. Incidentally, uh, grocery shopping isn't, you know, uh, with this whole pandemic going on, you know, it's, it's, it's not like she's not taking a risk by doing it. So it's just, it's just a heartwarming story and props to the manager of the uh, Nashville Kroger for, for going out of her way to help a woman in need. Shows what happens if you give somebody a second chance. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so. it's a great story. It's it's good to see the good side of humanity. Sometimes with all the mess we <laughs> we see on a daily basis. So. Yep, agreed. It's it's a positive uh, with all that, especially in an election year and pandemic and all the rest. Like, it's good to hear good people doing stuff to help real people instead of just screaming at each other on Facebook every day. <laughs> yeah you ain't lying about that but you only had to listen to an hour of us talk about duke offensive linemen to hear one kernel of goodness at the end <laughs> yeah we we complain and 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 are grumpy for for 45 minutes and then for <laughs> two minutes we're just like hey <laughs> <laughs> it's our penance yeah so, miserable reckless and a little bit of sunshine <laughs> yeah but just a little bit <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up this episode of Miserable and Reckless. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and soon to be YouTube. So I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks. Thank you.